the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is The Bible Live, your opportunity to... Call in, talk about all things biblical. Our reading schedule caused us this week to read a lot of the um, the uh, smaller prophetic works uh, from the Tanakh, from the Hebrew Scriptures, starting with Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. You know, I think Jonah is the more well-known book, I'm guessing, of the 
five books we're looking at, and we'll look at, at also at the book of Micah, just kind of introductory at least, uh, the first chapter of Micah. <clears throat> but primarily, we'll be talking about these the smaller prophetic works that come at the end of the Hebrew Scriptures. These are all pre-exile. In other words, this is all all of these men, these preachers, these prophets, delivered their messages and had their time of ministry in the years leading up to both the fall of uh, Israel. Remember, the kingdom divided after Solomon's death, and uh, Rehoboam stayed with the two tribes of Judah in the south, Judah and Benjamin, and Rehoboam, I'm sorry, Jeroboam, uh, my mistake, Jeroboam became the leader of the first king over the ten tribes of the north. Uh, and their capital moved around uh, several times during the, the years of their existence, but um, finally became, I think, the final capital. Is that right, Jacob? The final capital of, of the northern tribes was Samaria? The city of Samaria? That's correct. That's after you'll actually find the reference to that in Kings. Okay. By the way, hello, Soapy. Hello, Jacob. And hello, John. <laughs> and hello, all you millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> all, all six of you. Uh, <laughs> no, all six million. That's uh, what I meant. Uh, <laughs> well, there you I'll go. Say, so, yeah, when, when they in, imported the Sumerians, they started bringing their gods with them. And they started building their temples. Was that after the fall, after the, the Assyrians took them into, marched them up north to, to Nineveh, marched them out of the country? That after the, after 722 B.C., right? That's when they repopulated? It was before, well, they they were marched there. And then, of course, the Assyrians, Nineveh, Nineveh Assyrians, Assyrians uh-huh. they then marched. That's with uh, an A in front of it. Exactly so. To differentiate from the Assyrians of today, which is, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. and so they did march the ten tribes out, but and they ended up switching, and that's when the ten tribes kind of went elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so they they the the Samarit, the Sumerians put created their own capital. In fact, one of the chapters we'll look at tonight in the book of Hosea. Yes, uh, I'm sorry, I saw you yawning. Uh, no, no, I, I have had. I, I, I'm not making excuses and I'm not asking for pity, but wow, what a couple of days uh-huh. uh, we've had with uh, just early, early mornings. <laughs> it's it's uh-huh. a couple of a couple in a row. We had a, a benefit garage sale, believe it or not, for our crew military ministry. And we did a benefit uh, break, um, garage sale on Friday and Saturday. And wow, so, uh, Jacob, I am wiped out. I don't uh-huh. see how these women do those garage sales, but we were moving beds and furniture and loading and doing things for people. And then, of course, this morning, every Sunday morning, we're up really early to be out at Lackland for our trainees and our ministry there. So I'm kind of, I am yawning a little bit, but don't worry, I'm with you all the way. You were well, talking about... I was about, going to tell you, in Hosea, mm-hmm. as interesting as we all found that, mm-hmm. I always thought Lackland meant that it was all on the water because it lacks land. Lakeland. Uh-huh. No, it lacks land. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so... But you're uh, in chapter 14 of Hosea. Uh-huh. We're going to find out exactly what was going on with these so-called Sumerians. 
And who is God condemning? And it has nothing to do with the popular misunderstanding. I probably shouldn't be sexist about that. I, maybe we should call it Mr. Understanding. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Or, or Mrs. I don't know. Misunderstanding. There's no way out of it. There's too many of them. Misunderstandings, yeah. miscellaneous. Okay. We'll, just be un, we'll just be PC and call it Miss. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the point is is that you know, there's a popular understanding that the Jews didn't like the Samaritans because they were, I don't know where this comes from, but they were half Jewish, which is... Half At, Jewish, half breeds, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. but th- that's just not true. That has nothing. It's nowhere in the Bible. There is no verse that says that. That's some kind of mythology. But what we'll find is, in one of the chapters, it starts in Kings. But you'll actually find it in, and we'll talk about it perhaps a little bit tonight. It's chapter 14 of Hosea, which God actually explains what's going on. It says, explain yourself, Lucy. Okay. But I still kind of have the feeling there was... There was something. I'm not saying formal, you know, legal, put into law, but there was some kind of prejudice, a little at least present. In you just kind of sense it when you read the New Testament. Uh, you know the stories that Jesus told and how he makes the often he makes the Samaritan, you know, the Good Samaritan parable, the uh, the woman at the well, the 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 habit that Jewish people had of going up the east side of the Jordan instead of traveling up through Samaria. There had to be, there had to be something to well, all of if that. If you want the something answered, we can. If you want to portray it as though the Jews were prejudiced. No, I'm not saying all the Jews were prejudiced. I'm I don't even think there was one. Give me a name. There had Give to be me a, a name. Of... I want to know. Jose who? Okay. But what I'm trying to say is the prejudice, if you want to call it that, uh-huh. is about idols. That's the issue, okay, well not then, about the people. All right. Well, then, but that would, it would be about the people because of idolatry. If this is important to you, I will concede. I, it just seems like there's something there. Well, in the sure. New it Christian always thing. seems like it's something with the Jews, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it had nothing to do with the Jews. This isn't even about the Jews. It's about the Samaritans. Uh, but it just seems like in the, it kind of, it's, it kind of seems to be there that there's something there. There's some kind of a tension I, I don't know. Well, let's look at. Chap- I'll agree let's with you that it what, wasn't Let's like- see what God says tonight. Yeah, okay. It's in chapter 14 of Hosea. I would certainly be in favor of that. So anyway, we're looking at Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah. Now, folks, I don't know which one of those prophets you find interesting. Now, if any, because a lot, at least a lot of uh, American believers in general... My guess is a lot of uh, our just normal Gentile believers in our culture, in our society, who uh, know the Lord, love the Lord, have responded to the message of the gospel and so on. It's been my just kind of general observation that a lot of us don't know a whole lot about these, um, particularly these books, these uh, prophets they're not lesser, or they call them minor prophets, but it's only because That's they're because they're all under eighteen. <laughs> That's because that they their ministry did not expand as many years. They their books, their works, and the recording of their messages was not as extensive. But each of them had a very specific target group, like Hosea and Joel uh, were preaching primarily to Israel, to the ten northern tribes. Amos, on, for his part, was a layman. He was a farmer. He was not a prophet he, in himself. He was not a Levite. Uh, he was a farmer. A lot of his imagery, a lot of his messages come from uh, farming-type 
situations. Uh, he talks about uh, sheep and shepherds. He talks about herds. He talks about fat cows. He calls <laughs> he calls the women fat cows of of Samaria. So I guess he's talking. Well, about, yeah, these these twelve prophets. These are, in a sense, minors because they're... I don't know how we could classify or categorize the quality of their prophecy, but I can say this as far as the the length of their writing. Uh, let's see here. Um, I actually had it written down. Well, Amos is um, eight, eight chapters. Well, I mean, now, Hosea is 14 chapters. The That's 12 prophets, uh-huh. among all 12 that you're naming, all their verses are 1,050. The book of Ezekiel, I had it written down, is 1,273. So by itself, it's longer by than itself. So yeah. than all of them. So in a sense, if it's smaller writing, it's smaller writing. And Isaiah, Isaiah Jeremiah, those are much longer and extensive as well. So uh, now these are all, like I said, these are all pre-exile, before 586. Yeah, actually, They're, these 12, with the exception of Obadiah, uh-huh. uh, who is an Edomite. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't know there is a couple books in the what you call the Old Testament, the prophets. The Tanakh, yeah. That's, uh-huh. That is not Jews. That is not rate, written by Jews. But this spans about a 300 time period. 300 years. 300 years time okay. period, yeah. And then, you, of course, Jonah is one we are, I don't know why, we are more familiar with Jonah, perhaps because of the story of his life, you know, getting swallowed by the great fish and delivering a message of judgment to uh, the capital city of uh, the Assyrian, the Assyrian Empire, that would be uh, Jonah up in Nineveh. So we are, we are ready to talk about any of those books that you have a question or thought about, and uh, or anything biblical. That's what we're here for. The Bible Live. We're we're talking about the old book, and frankly, I I personally think the reason America is, if, and maybe you don't even agree that America is in a mess. But I think America is in a terrible mess, and frankly, I'm not so optimistic about our coming out of it in terms of what we look like. We look like Israel and uh, Judah here leading up to times of of great judgment and decline in their own cultures and societies. To me, that's what we look like. Uh, Maybe you have a different thought and you want to sound off on that tonight. We are in a political season, so if you want to talk politics. You know, one thing I was thinking of, and we're going to go to the phones in just a moment and talk with Don, our first caller. I want to to give you a heads up, Jacob, too. Uh, An idea came to me that these prophets, let's take the five or six we're talking about even tonight, they were highly political. I mean, they, they it, actually, the role of the prophet was very political, wasn't it? He talked about kings. He talked about the nation, um, uh, the decline of the nation, the cultural morality, the ethical, you know, uh, situation, the spiritual situation of the nation, and all they. They were, and, and they in, they influenced and spoke to the monarchy, well, d- right? You know, let, we can probably clear this up. And, you know, uh, on the PBS, there used to be a series called, uh, uh, I forgot what it was called, but Alistair Cook used to put it on. And Masterpiece he said, Theater. what is it? Masterpiece Theater? No. Uh, it was a series. Good was, good try, John. It was an excellent try, John. Well, okay. But anyway, back to my story. <laughs> He's not going to quit. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the point is, in the 12th, prophets this is what you can look for in all 12 it's always the same thing they abandon god because only one reason idolatry well they nope. ab- they okay. abandon the torah 
And when they started taking in other religions, these uh, other idols you're talking sure. about, the calves, etc., every one of these 12 only are dealing with one specific issue, and that is that they abandoned the Torah. And essentially they abandoned the idea of one true and living God. They moved to polytheism and idolatry. Well, right? And see, the other nations that we were going to read about in this stuff tonight, they uh -huh. came in. Samaria came in with their religions. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the woman at the well you're talking about, she came in with her religion. All right. And so it was always that thing. But in all 12, if you look for that theme, you'll see they abandoned thing. the word of God. Well, maybe that's why the Bible Live is right on target. It Let's could go. be. That could be one of the reasons. <laughs> Let's go and visit with a caller. His name is Don. And we are glad to have you on the on the line with us, Don. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. Good to hear from you. What's going on? What are you thinking of as you? Uh, I guess we're pondering together here these books, uh, these smaller books of the Old Testament, the Tanakh and the Scriptures, well, and all. Yeah, y'all are kind what of talking thinking? about something that I'm, I'm interested in y'all's opinion about. What uh, What did the prophets seem to have in common in terms of what they they uh, noticed and what they wanted done about whatever they were reporting that they were noticing. And y'all are kind of talking about that. Yeah, what did they have in common? Now, Jacob mentioned the idea of uh, abandoning the the law, abandoning the Torah, and embracing uh, idolatry and, and so on. I'm a little bit less informed in the technical sense, Don, um, uh, but it seems like they all... All of these prophets, um, they are, they are, they just talk about about uh, they talk about religiosity. One of the great themes is that they all condemn empty, shallow religiosity as opposed to true, genuine devotion to God and to to serving lo and loving others. In other words, just just religious ritual. Uh, they said, you know, God doesn't want that. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He doesn't want the rituals. He wants your heart, your devotion, your, you know, your obedience. Uh, to me, that's a major theme, I would think. Um, I don't know, Jacob, do you have anything you would add to that? Well, I... Would, kind of interested in what Don is thinking of, I too. would like to say, hi, Don. <laughs> hey, Jim. Hi. Don is a, a, a well-known person that I've known for a long, long time. He's a great man, a great human being. And his father was a very, a, a very, very, uh, a very faithful, very a fatherly, a very fatherly person. Uh, well, he was. In fact, he would go into Mexico and build homes for people. Unbelievable. So he, so Don and his family are are quite, uh, quite religious or believing people, you might say. And Don is a psychologist in town. May I say your last name? Maybe drum, drum me up a client or two, Don. Well, uh, my title is Doctor, and I am Don Hill. Doctor Don, marriage and family therapist. That's right. All and, right. And so, anybody that needs counseling, he is a very good man. So, you, your father was Habitat for Humanity before there was Habitat for Humanity, huh? I guess it sounds like at least in a way. <laughs> That's great. That's a great, great ministry and a great uh, service to people. Well, so you're yeah. asking about these, these prophets. Uh, Jacob, yeah. weigh in a little bit. Well, my, my understanding is, uh, and of course, if you want to be right, you'll agree with me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a big country. You can do what you want. But uh, And he is an expert in his own opinion, he told I us. am an expert in my own opinion. That's right. And sometimes I repeat things more than once because I like to hear it again. <laughs> All right, and uh, but, it's true. But um, 
in the uh, in these twelve, uh, we'll call them minor prophets. They has one consistent theme, and while I would agree with Sophie about this devotion to God issue, the truth is, it's called avodah in the Hebrew, and what that means is the devotion is not a feeling. It's not about being a kind person. It's about one sole thing that these guys are chastising Israel and even Judah for, and that is for abandoning the Torah. That's the issue. You abandon the Torah, and, and you by abandoning you mean not obeying, not learning, not obeying. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, in Hosea, in chapter one of the famous verses that nobody really finishes reading, but the the verse is in four six and it says, you know, this verse I'm sure so Peter says. My people are destroyed. Uh-huh. Ah, for what, Soapy? Uh, now, let me, let me, I, I'm trying to remember, but is it the, the idea? No, that's Jeremiah. Uh, for they have dug, uh, they have abandoned no, no, my well it, and they dug new wells. It's 4-6 no. if you have your Bible. Okay, I do have my Bible. Uh, so yeah, but it's 4-6 is my people. I'll cheat now, and look he's it talking, up. it's important to know this. Uh, Hosea is talking to the priest. To the priest of Israel. Because they don't know me. Okay, what it says, well, it, actually it says, my people are destroy, destroyed, O priest, because they have no knowledge. Mm-hmm. You, talking to the priest, have rejected me, so I've rejected you from serving me. And because you have spurned me and the Torah of your God. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. Okay, so now here's now see how they The trans- more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged okay, the glory go of God for the shame of I'm idols. I'm making you know? a very good theme. Boy, that's a powerful it's statement. It's a theme. Mm-hmm. That's a theme. There's a reason I chose it. You see how they translate it in your version as the laws of God? Mm-hmm. Actually, in Hebrew, it says you forgot my Torah, which mm-hmm. they translate laws of God, which is okay. Mm-hmm. But it's actually saying you forgot the Torah. Now, if you take that as your theme and you don't teach it anymore, because the priests were held accountable, it was their jobs to teach the Torah. And so every one of these prophets, they'll come back and say, you guys are not doing this. In fact, we'll find out shortly that when all this other influence came in, these other religions, and you were liking it in some ways to America, in today we all know that Christianity numerically is seeming to be suffering, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of religious thoughts coming in, and it is, in a sense, spoiling, contaminating, whatever you want to say, but people don't know right from wrong anymore, and you cannot rely on how you feel. You must have something written down, and the whole idea of these 12 prophets is it was written down how you are supposed to live, and that was the devotion, which I would go along with you on, that they are chastising all these people for because they're not living that way well in that era jacob and maybe don you have a thought about this as well in that particular era not everybody had a copy of the torah in their home right so they were dependent on the prophets on the priests, the levites to teach them the laws and that's why this there's a a very there's a a very powerful uh uh, uh, condemnation of the priests in this statement here, and, and in Hosea in particular, because they w- they weren't teaching the people God's word. They weren't teaching them the laws of God, and so there's a big condemnation of them as well. Uh, Hosea is a very interesting individual. His name means salvation or God saves. My Savior loves, my Savior loves. And 
he starts out his book. This is that book. And Don, from a marital, marital counseling kind of point of view, of course, Hosea has to be very interesting because God told this fellow to go down and marry a prostitute. You know, and uh, they had a very stormy marriage relationship. She she committed adultery. Uh, children were involved. Maybe we can come back and talk about that a little bit with you as a marriage counselor and psychologist. But uh, Hosea here is... Yeah, and I want to say that these books are understood to be, in the Jewish world, to be rather enigmatic and uh, metaphorical. We'll be right back. Don't go away now. ...serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine... The James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Join Barry Bess every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Insight for Living, Leading the Way, Family Life Today, and Grace to You. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy Dollar and Jacob and Don. Don is on the line with us. Uh, let me bring him back up here to make sure we Don can still visit with him. Don knows a lot. Don, you have got you get Jacob he, here at least bamboozled. He thinks you know a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, good job. Well, we want to make sure, though, before anything else happens, 
Don, we want to give you a chance to be a winner. We uh, I hadn't mentioned earlier, but we are giving away these days a free subscription to a, a great journal, an academic journal called the um, Bar. Biblical Archaeological Review, the Bar. And it's and a great journal. we only journal have come out. four or five copies of subscriptions left to give, so yep. we got to give Don one. We anybody make else sure. who wants one should call in. Oh, that's right. And so, so if you can either, you know, if we oh, get the chance to talk. you have a number, they should call Soapy. 340. Don did it without the number, right? 340-9585. If you'd like to join us. Now, uh, Don, there's several ways we let people kind of win and, and be a, get that particular prize and it, it is a beautiful gift to be, be able to give away one is they answer a question from one of these books from the bible or maybe they come up with some d- distinctive contribution to our discussion something about and that's what i was leading up to with the book of hosea but since you are involved in marital counseling and, and so on we've got this unusual situation are you familiar with the book of hosea not really no this prophet named hosea his name means salvation. So the whole book is a little bit of, of a picture of God's redemptive plan, the salvation. Well, he's told to go and marry uh, a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. Is is uh, Gomer Pyle. Is, is Jacob says, but we call her Gomer in the Gentile world. Gomer, and uh, and they and he does, and then she's unfaithful to him, and goes back into adultery and back into that world, and he goes. And he buys her freedom. Her, he buys her um, out of that world again. He pays the price for it. It's kind of a picture of God's redemptive plan. He buys, he purchases us through the sacrifice of Calvary and Messiah. So it's kind of a beautiful picture for us, at least. Uh, but, of course, Hosea is talking about more than just that. He's, uh, he's delivering a message of, of uh, condemnation and judgment on uh, people groups around Israel, and of course he's calling Israel back to repentance, back to, back to the Lord. Um, I I don't know if that story is familiar with your with you or not, but uh, as a person who's interested in marriages and family and uh, this building block of the society and so on, what uh, maybe you could take and use that as a little bit of a takeoff to share some, maybe some things. What are you seeing in your world? Uh, as you talk to people, are you seeing the American family? Seems like the American family is in trouble. Everywhere, oh, absolutely! Divorces and separations and children out of wedlock and over. And I seems like this, it's everywhere. I think this is where he gets to talk. That's so. where he gets to talk. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Well, truly, uh, the the kind of uh, behavior that's harmful to the trust that's harmful to the respect, mutual trust and mutual respect, and the um, the theme of abandonment. Uh, whenever I have been listening to you talk about some of the themes that the prophets are dealing with, uh, those kinds of dynamics come to mind for me. Yeah, home and family. Yeah, that, that is, I think you're right. That. Now that you say it, I would agree that that seems to be one of the major emphasis as well. Uh, human relationships, I guess, the makeup of the society. Uh, do you see? How do you see? Our, our, now, I don't know how long you've been uh, in practice and, and 
dealing with families and so on. Uh, what, what is your broad stroke uh, observations about the American family? Well, it seems to me that the American family is becoming less cohesive. Uh, again, the uh, the harm that oh the media in particular comes to mind uh, stretching all kinds of breaking all through all kinds of boundaries and limits and uh, redefining uh, what we used to be clear yeah redefining marriage for example maybe indeed indeed and those those kinds of things uh, concern me I think I've seen across 30 years of doing my work, I think I have seen uh, an increase with these kinds of issues and the effect, the impact on the American family. And so I'm, and I'm concerned. Large, what, what will be the consequences of that in your, in your learned opinion? Uh, if, if it continues, and uh, it, it does seem like this new generation, they're not marrying as, at least as early. Uh, uh, of course, all of the mores, all of the uh, sexuality has had a, a huge transformation from, the, from 30, 40, 50 years ago. We've gone through the sexual revolution, the feminist revolution. And so what are we left with and uh, what will be the consequences of it? It seems to me like people are, as a result, becoming more isolated and uh, are less involved and less participating with each other in, in intimacy and in the kind of relationships where it's safe to know and be known at deeper levels. It seems mm. that uh, relationships have become more shallow and people are, in, are drifting apart. I wonder if social media has had any effect on that. You know, and so on. Don, you're not charging us right now, are you? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Okay. I do want to tell you, uh, Sophie and Don, and just between us guys, uh-huh. um, I, this is not Donald Trump talk, okay? But I was going to say, once I was engaged, but it didn't work out. It ended in marriage. But the what? marriage worked out. It ended in divorce. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. We're trying to be serious here. And th- that's well. Uh, has most of your practice over those thirty years? Has most of it been here in South Texas? Yes, oh, so right here in San Antonio. You're a Texan. Uh, you so your experience mainly is a Texas. I mean, is a Texas, and even maybe a local. Well, that makes you all the more interesting to me because. Uh, Frankly, sometimes we talk about these topics from um, from you know a national you know big perspective. But even if we could narrow it down, thirty years in a city, I bet you do have a perspective. Uh, I wonder what role does does faith seem to be playing much more of a role in the people you deal with and counsel and help and so is faith having any kind of an impact, or is it? Do you see maybe the absence of faith being part of the reason? You know, and I'm talking about faith, I guess, in, but I'm talking about healthy, good, positive faith in the true and living God and not just religious faith in general, religiosity. But what role does it play in these marriages you're looking at? 
Well, I'm concerned because it doesn't seem to be playing much of a role. It seems to be more and more missing hmm. in uh, as a dynamic in the relationship, people's primary relationships. Yeah. Well, my wife, uh, Suzanne, and I, she's been putting up with me now for 44, almost 45, 45 years this year, I guess it is. And frankly, we often look at each other and go, how we have no earthly idea how people hold a marriage together without without God. <laughs> we think, wow, if it hadn't been for God, we, we wouldn't have lasted, I don't know, even maybe the first few years. Uh, it, we just needed God at work in us, giving us courage, giving us uh, stickability, you know, that we're not going to give up. We're going to stay in that God's got a plan and he's going to help us. And uh, so we've just never really comprehended how anyone could even enter into such a intimate, uh, you know, waters of marriage without that a real relationship with God, a, a real re- fellowship and, and experience of his power at work. So uh, we are we are kind of, we're those 70-plus-year-olds uh, sort of mystified by what's going on in our world today and shaking our heads and go, where is this going to take us? And where is it going? We're thinking of our grandchildren and what this is going to mean to them and so on and so on. So, uh, yeah. Would you, Sophie, would you like a shot in the arm? Oh, uh, you mean an encouraging word? Encouraging word. Uh, let's hear it. Okay. Jacob. Actually, there's a book that has been out for about six months now. And remember they did a study, and, and you always hear everybody, even preachers, talking about, well, the divorce rate in the church is the same as society. Uh-huh. That is not true. I've the never guy, thought it was, really. Huh? I've never thought it was, somehow instinctively. Well, that's because you've got such good instincts. All of them. Yeah. So, like, your next instinct will be, oh, I should let Jim finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's never sounded Jacob, right to we me. We should anyway. let Jacob finish. But uh, anyway, so... Um, so actually, the guy that did the study, has, he's a much older guy now, he got with a, a younger psychologist and a, a person who does the stats, and I heard a long interview with him and her, and he said, you know, we never even asked the question in our original study, do people go to church? It wasn't there. So what we've done is we've gone back, and we have asked now, done the same study, with the question, do you go to church? Well, so in the society, I guess it's roughly, what, about 50-50? Is that right, Don? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, well, in the church, they have discovered from these questions that there's, um, it's about 70% of the marriage are staying in place. So they said before, they never, it's still, okay, it may be a problem. No, that is good news. I mean, it's but in, far in better the book, than... You can actually get the book, and I listened to a long interview, and he said, we never even inquired about a religious background going to church in the past. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it's a lot to concern us these days. Well, I am so glad you called in, Don. I really am. And I, I hope you'll hang on. Just don't hang up when we finish uh, here. Do not hang up. I want John to get down your information so we can send you that subscription to uh, Biblical Archaeology Review. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a great book. and they have. Well, thank you here. so much. I will. They have a conference here in November, I think the 19th. They do have a conference, and you can uh, buy a ticket for only $600. Nothing We did give away a few tickets, but those are gone. But you can still buy a ticket for $600. And if you order tonight, (laughs) you get the combination hearing aid, Vegematic. (laughs) 
<laughs> hearing aid, Vegematic. All right, that's a that's quite a combination. Anyway, don't you go yeah, away. Don't, all right, hang don't hang put up. Him on hold there, so. I'm going to put you on hold, and then we're going to go and visit. I think Jim is our next yeah. caller. Let's go ahead and talk to Jim. How are you tonight, Jim? Good to visit with you. Hey, Sophie. I'm doing fine. Good you, to talk to you. You too, friend. What's uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods and your part of the world? Well, things are pretty things are pretty busy. Talked to Jacob today, and. Uh, he said you're going to have an interesting program. I was interested in his comment about uh, the uh, the metaphor that uh, he said. Uh, well, he didn't mention a particular metaphor, but he uh, said these books were metaphorical. Well, and actually, oh, Hosea. Yeah, actually, Jim, you're absolutely right, and and uh, I know you know uh, Jim Sophie and Sophie Jim. Okay. But yeah, in the Jewish thought, they are uh, enigmatic. And they're metaphorical. Now, they could also be uh, correct, but they are meant to also be a metaphor for other things. Are you talking about the way you interpret them? Or are you talk- I know Jesus uses the, uh, the marriage uh, metaphor a lot in the New Testament. Right. And have some degree of that in Hosea. I don't know about the other books. I'm not that familiar with what. Uh, each one's uh, about. I didn't don't remember mm-hmm. uh, some of that, but I was wondering if there's more than one metaphor, or are several that are used throughout these that are uh, also seen in the New Testament. Well, uh, Sophie and I were talking about the the uh, term, and uh, actually, an example that comes to mind is in Amos uh, chapter five, verse one where it talks about virgins. Right. And there's an example. I know you, either one of you can probably give me the place where Jesus uh, cites something in the story, of the, the parable, I gather, about the ten virgins, right? Right, right. Okay, and that is, uh, would that be, uh, why don't you tell us the story, Sophie or Jim, so we know a little bit about what's going on. Do you on. remember it? Do you recall it, Jim? I, I think I... No, I, I'll I'll look at I'm looking it up as we talk. But do you know the the, yeah, the talk basic about story? the ten the ten virgins who didn't have their their lamps uh, properly prepared for when the bridegroom came, and uh, at least that's the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, that's uh, uh, at least five of them I think did not have sufficient right. oil in their right. lamps. The other- and five of them did, and they asked the five that had oil, can we borrow some oil from you? And they said, no, then we would run out. We wouldn't be prepared. And so right. the, the, I guess the, the, the scenario is is that they're waiting. These are bridesmaids in a way. They're friends of the bride, and they're waiting in the Jewish marriage. They, w- they would be married, and then the couple would make their way to their new home and people would wait on them there to to celebrate and to welcome them, and the they were waiting on the bridegroom and his bride to come to arrive. Meanwhile, they were running out of oil, so they the five that had oil would not loan it to the five that didn't. Right. So the five that didn't went to get some oil, and while they were away, the bridegroom came and they missed the celebration. Ah, uh, right. Right. The idea. Oh, right. that's a story. Now it's it's. Right. Typically, you know, uh, Gentiles, Gentile believers, looking in the Gospels and reading that, we've interpreted that a certain way uh, that that we think of the uh, the the oil being a picture of, to some degree of the Holy Spirit, 
that they were spiritually unprepared and that the bridegroom returned, you know, Jesus returned and they're not ready. And so they're left out of the celebration that that would be the more I, I'd say what you might hear preached from a pulpit of evangelical churches here and across the country that I, I and it may, right. there may be validity to it. On the other hand, too, there might I suspect always that in these stories by Jesus, the Jew, the Jewish oh, uh, stop rabbi, stop calling him names, and uh, and uh, his Jewish <laughs> listeners. I suspect that there probably was a um, reference in their mind to because uh, his whole mindset, all of his teachings, his mind, his his language and traditions or history came out of those scriptures, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was uh, uh, that there would be a, a, a scriptural basis, a background, a a, 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 a Tanakh sourcing for his story well, i'm not in, but, but in i'm not the, sure if it means what, what do you well you say i that, will tell you this jim and oh the so, ten tribe the ten virgin of the ten tribes oh of you're the, saying Israel. it like you've just thought of it we talked about it during the break i know but i'm <laughs> just remembering oh you that are tells me how long i retain the yeah, things sure. you tell me <laughs> and we talk next week it'd yeah. have been all new to you that's yeah. the nice thing about it see he just he, i get no respect here jim. oh no that's not true actually <laughs> soapy knows a great deal and i'm just pulling his leg all right but actually, uh, yes. That's what I was angling for, compliment. Jeremiah, the the uh, missing, so-called Messington tribes in Jewish lingo are referred to as the virgins. Now, in Amos tonight, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Hear this dirge I utter over you, O house of Israel. The virgin Israel. Now, remember, Israel would be the northern part that consists the northern of ten tribes. Yeah. Ten tribes. Mm-hmm. So they're called a virgin. Now, the, And so when I read the story of Jesus and the ten virgins, I think cause I, you can pretty much say to any biblically knowledgeable Jewish person, well, what were those? That would pop in their mind. You know, they were, oh. they're, well, I don't know about pop. It might mom. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, the point is that they will say, oh, the ten virgins. Now, the most interesting question is, uh, as you say in the story, he's saying somebody's coming back. Uh-huh. And that's an interesting question. And the question that should be foremost in both of your minds is, why in the world would Jeremiah and why in the world would Amos refer to them, the ten tribes, as virgins? I don't know, good Jim, question. What do you think? Uh, I hadn't heard that question before. Well, I can repeat it. <laughs> no, this I'm is not a, sure that helps give an answer. <laughs> me either. It is a different take on the passage, and I have to I have to kind of think about it more to find well, out. Well, Jesus, as well, okay. you said, he grew up in a Jewish world. Sure, okay. And if I were talking to Jesus and he says, Hey, you know, there's ten virgins that we're missing. We're going to go find them. And the oil is like the oil of the lamp. Remember the verse. He quoted it. It comes from the Psalms. It says, a lamp on my feet, a light, light to my path. To my path. Yeah. The my light path. is the oil. The Word of God, okay. Uh, well, it's more than the Word of God. It's the absolute Torah. Okay. So that's the light on how you walk. All right. So why they're virgins is this, is that while they were supposedly disappeared, when they return and the Messiah brings them back, when that happens, the, all their sins will be give, forgiven. They will be 100% purified. They will be like a virgin. 
That's why they're called virgins. Is that what Madonna was talking about? I <laughs> see. a Jewish woman, right? No, no, Madonna's Catholic. Madonna. Oh, okay, all right. I'll, well, I didn't mean religiously. I meant ethic, ethnically. I don't think so. Okay, no, no, she, she, had a, she grew up in Detroit, I know, and she had an Italian last name. I think she's Catholic. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. But at any rate. Uh, so forget like a virgin, okay? I okay. just it just popped. Oh, that was a song. Yeah, like oh, a virgin. Okay. I didn't know that was a song. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but uh, but see, you'll find it in Jeremiah. You'll find it here. Uh-huh. And one of the sl- the slogans, the uh, bromides, is that it's the virgins when they return. These ten tribes mm-hmm. will be like virgins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I yet get it. I kind of like. Well, it's if they, the sins and everything shall be forgiven. Uh-huh. God forgives everything. Okay, okay. They I'm pondering it. I'm taking it seriously. Uh, are you talking about purity there? and Purity? Yeah, I, all sins. All, they would, God would show his well, mercy. They would have all their sins forgiven because they will be, as we'll, we can see in other script, uh, prophets, they will at the right time repent. When the repentance is done, they shall be, their sins shall be forgiven because God is merciful and he accepts your repentance. And, from, you know, from the Jewish point of view. And when that happens, uh, then they will return. And when they return, they will not have any of their, the crud on them, the sins uh-huh, on them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They will be as pure as a virgin. Okay, well, I'm not, able to, I'm not able to establish any cross-referencing in our concordance between that and Jesus' words in the Gospels about the uh, the parable of the ten virgins, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep looking at it, I, and sooner or later I'm gonna find it so I can tell our listeners where the parable is. If we're gonna be talking about this, the parable as it relates to the Hebrew uh, passage there in Hosea um, or in Amos, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll find it in just a moment. I, I'm, I'm looking for it as we talk. Well. Um, Jim, we want to give you uh, a gift for calling in and being part of the program. I wonder if uh, you would be interested in having a free copy of the Biblical Archaeological Review. It's a great journal, a great uh, magazine, very uh, very interesting. A lot of things, discoveries are being made even today as we speak, uh, archaeological digs around the world. A lot of them have, uh, a lot of them have biblical uh, and and spiritual implications for us we'd love to give you the, a gift of that for a year if you, it's something you'd be interested in what do you think that'd be uh, that'd be great i i think uh we find that very interesting uh, archaeology is one of those evidences for the truth of scripture right and uh, so it'd be uh, great to be able to uh, learn more what's uh, what's going on in that field uh, good hey, jim did you know been, uh just a couple of months ago they released it that six months earlier or so they had found, uh, I guess, the oldest extant few pages of the book of Leviticus in Israel. Did you know about that? Uh, you told me about that. Oh, yes. what a prompt. Yes. Well, you, <laughs> yeah. said, you said few pages. It was actually a scroll, right? Well, it was a scroll, but it was uh, they have to uh, uh, unpeel it, but they're verifying the language. And the interesting thing is, it's what we have today. So... Exactly. It did not change. It, right. it was. It became an earlier copy of the book of Leviticus. No, I, I keep my book of Leviticus in the dirt also. You're right, it didn't change. By about a, by about a thousand years, right? It moved the well, dating back because it, it was it already did. dated. It did. By That's right. It took dating. it back. It's the oldest one they found, the most uh-huh. excellent. And uh, it is indeed. Now, 
as I understand it, one of the people involved in the Biblical Archaeology Review or Society uh, is a member of the people who found out are members of that, as I understand. Oh, and see, the uh, this Biblical Archaeology Society, they review, they have yeah. famous experts, scholars, college professors from many different universities, and they all belong to it, so they all write articles, and some mm -hmm. of the articles are fascinating. They truly are. When's Sarah going to come back and be with us? Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I talked to her this week. She is going to be uh, with us on this show live. Did I say alive? I meant live. <laughs> alive. Uh, well, no hopefully alive. November 13th. Okay, two, two Sundays from now. Okay. And she'll be here again. She'll tell us all I about guess. this. No, that's three Sundays. Yeah, three Sundays from now. Well, you're the mathematician. Well, no, I'm just... You, you can figure it off as two or three. I have well, Jim, thanks for calling in. Anything else on your mind? We'd love to give you a chance to say kind of whatever you want. Maybe observations. What's What are you thinking about the political season and all this sort of thing? What's from the from the well, perspective think, of faith? Uh, are you as panicked as most people seem to be? <laughs> well, it uh, it depends on what show you're watching. You know, you can panic uh, when all these pundits uh, start making all kinds of comments. I think uh, one of the best. Uh, truths I've seen is uh, a comment that I saw by Max Lucado saying, you know, on November night, God is still sovereign, That's and he's true. still in charge no matter what the uh, outcome is, uh, so we can be thankful for that. Amen and, uh, goes there. That's exactly right. right. It's yeah. very interesting, is, though. There is, a, and Sophie, there is something, some, I made a note of this to talk about tonight in Hosea, and chapter 6, uh, verse 7. Oh, we have another person online. Okay. I just want to tell you real quick. There's an interesting thing in there. It's called, uh, uh, but like Adam, another uh, verse, but like Adam, they broke the covenant. And uh, in most of the Christian Bibles, uh, if you look at the... They broke the covenant, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it says like Adam. And I don't know what it's saying in your, your footnotes. What, what in my translation, that's what it says. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant, uh -huh. and they dealt faithlessly with me. What, what verse is that? What, uh, verse seven. Hosea 6, 7. Okay, I want to find that's very interesting. And see, most of the Christian Bibles I've looked at, they'll say, well, we're not aware of a covenant with Adam. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what surprised me. Anyway, Jim, uh, well, we're coming up here to the end of yeah. this half hour. So, Jerome, right. hang on. And, Jim, how about if we give you over to John, and he'll take down the information and get you that subscription. All right. Don't hang on. All right. Now. Sounds good to talk with you. Thanks. Thank talk you with you, Jim. Well, that is uh, the marker for the end of our second segment. We'll come back and visit with Jerome. Jerome, please hang on. Don't go away. We're going to take just a couple of minutes to let you hear from some of our program sponsors and supporters. And we'll come back and talk with Jerome and maybe with you. 340-9585. That's our phone number. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. I'd like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. All right, we are back. I had a hard time wanting to interrupt. Uh, Bob Dylan there singing. This comes from the era somewhere in the 70s, I think the early 70s. At the time, this famous poet uh, 
kind of a folk poet of American yeah. culture. Uh, now, era. what's Bob Dylan's real name? John just told you. John. Zimmerman or something. Some Jewish it? name, I think. Uh, Zimmerman? Uh, Isn't that? Yeah, that's what he like said, that? yeah. And that's true. And, uh, okay, well, J- Jacob's got to get in the fact that he's Jewish. But No, actually, he uh, he's very much ecumenical. He's Christian Jewish. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he had a very famous, at that era, that time, a very kind of a public um, conversion of trusting Christ. And he created, a, I guess it's his only, that I know of, there could be another one, but there's, as a Christian-themed or faith-themed album, called slow train coming and uh wow it is i mean i i kind of tear up listening to some of it because it's very very well he is just a, a very gifted poet no doubt about it and he expresses so very clearly and powerfully some of the emotions some of the uh what's involved in faith and what it means and gratitude to there was a young lady that influenced him for christ and he sings a song dedicated to her about uh, thank you for for introducing me to the Savior and so it's it just a beautiful beautiful um, uh, book. Slow train coming, folks. If you want to look at it, I bet you could still find it somewhere. Even uh, I, I I've got a copy and there's some very very mu- moving songs. And that was one of them you heard there. You gotta serve somebody. Um, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you got to serve. Nobody is. Uh, you're gonna mind somebody. Yeah, that's right. You're gonna. So you might as well. You know, every, and I tell the basic yeah, they trainees all the time. They couldn't nominate him for a singer, so they did poetry. Yeah, I tell basic trainers everywhere. Our basic trainees. Uh, it seems like continually. Everybody on planet Earth lives by faith. I mean, faith is not something that only certain people have. Faith is a human condition. We all. Every human being lives by faith. We. You know, we we trust the natural laws going on around us. The sun's going to come up in the morning. The you know this, that, and the other, and we we take most of the decisions we make every day are based on evidence and about testimony and the advice of a f- trusted friend and so on. Uh, all of our lives resolve around this. It's part of the human condition. We have to live by faith because we don't have absolute knowledge, and uh, so. It's it's an interesting theme, and we talk about it. It's one of the themes of our Bible study. One of our Bible studies at Lackland is what is faith, and how do we express faith in uh, in the true and living God? Well, uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go visit with Jerome. Uh, let me see if I can get him to come on up here. Jerome, you're on the line with us here at the Bible Live. Thanks for calling in. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, thank, thank you for you. taking my call. And thanks yeah, thank for being patient. For, uh, we're hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, you betcha. Well, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I was figuring I was going to get some kind of a of a of a, of a pilon uh, because if I if I hung on, just for hanging on, you get <laughs> you will you'll get a very. Well, you know what Ben Franklin said, right, Jerome? If we hang together, yes, I remember Ben. I remember. I remember Ben Franklin. He was a friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> you're that oh, old. Yeah. He looked like like a frog. What do you say? If we don't hang together, we'll all hang separately. He said, if we don't hang together, we'll hang separately. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, he, he he also says, "I'm not ashamed to confess that I'm ignorant of the things I don't know." <laughs> that sounds like what's that Yankee uh, catcher? That, uh, oh. Yogi, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra, that sounds like a Yogi Berraism, actually. Hey, you can include me out, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can include, include <laughs> me out. So. Yeah, when you come to the fork of the road, take it. <laughs> 
I love that guy. I, I, I wish I could come up with one-liners like that so easily. Some people do it so, so easily. Well, Jerome, what's on your mind? Were you wanting to maybe uh, – Well, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I've been listening, and uh, I want to tell you, first of all, I was, I was yelling at the radio, Matthew 25, verse 1, Matthew you. 25, verse 1. Thank you. I'm headed there now. I want it. Da, 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 da. All right. <laughs> I've got it right here. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And I guess the word bridesmaids there, I'm looking, or virgins, also in 25, 7 and verse 11. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take extra oil. When the bridegroom, the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridegrooms, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And they said, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy it. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Yeah, I, I, I kind of got the story right. I remembered the story, but I couldn't remember where it was. It's Matthew chapter 25, as Jerome has let us know. Uh, I don't know how that... I don't know how that uh, correlates with the uh, interpretation Jacob has brought us from the idea. He said when he first saw the word virgins, he automatically slipped to that passage in what, Amos or, o or Hosea? It's in, it's in Hosea, but it's also in, pardon me, Jeremiah. Okay. I was going to say Jerome, but okay. Sure. All right. Well, well then. Okay, you were listening. And, and so, so I, I just have a comment, and then maybe you guys could help me. And and what I find fascinating, because you don't get this on on radio, uh, especially uh, you know Bible radio. I've listened to a lot of uh, religious programs, but to have a a uh, a religious a, a radio program that features a Sounds like an evangelical and a Jewish person both discussing biblical things. I mean, usually uh, when it comes to Christians and Jews, there's either uh, some kind of warfare, a pogrom, or <laughs> some kind of uh, animosity. And uh, to hear you both communicating and talking about biblical things is just amazing. I found it very fascinating and uh and I just wanted to call to tell you that this is very unique and I think uh, uh, should be uh, broadcast uh, throughout the nation. I mean, this is really something that I haven't ever heard of, of having this uh, this type of program. It might be some parts of the country that I'm not aware of. But anyway, I find it fascinating, and uh, well, both of you guys uh, are doing a good job. From your lips to God's ears. I hope that – I think it would be healthy too, Jerome. I really do. And, and frankly, the way Jacob and I have come to know each other, it, we had an interview last week with a uh, prominent lawyer here in the city that actually was the one that allowed us to know each other, and we just started a friendship about what's it been now, in maybe 10 years or so. Well, I sure hope it wasn't over a lawsuit, so I'm glad it was on maybe a different circumstance. Well, I can't promise that it was not. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, but they're both well, my, que and, uh, uh, my, my question to you, uh, to both of you, would be this, uh, uh, and that is, uh, one of the biggest issues with, uh, with biblical interpretation is uh, the Jewish concept of interpreting the scriptures and the Christian uh, form of uh, biblical interpretation. 
And this is what I've kind of just in my own study found out is that that uh, that the uh, the Old Testament was was pretty much uh, studied uh, by uh, the Jewish people, especially after the Babylonian captivity, where they emphasized uh, biblical study, study of the Torah, and so mm-hmm. forth. And and that Christianity, after uh, you know developing a a canon, they had to deal with whether or not they were going to keep the uh, Jewish Bible within the Christian canon. It was a big debate on whether or not they wanted to, to make it part of the New Testament canon. And so uh, what I found fascinating is that the, the way that Christianity has developed its form of biblical interpretation, um, and and I see that sometimes at least, at least, um, you know, you're studying the same scriptures, which I find again is a great, uh, a great principle because at least you can discuss, you know, Jeremiah, Amos, Isaiah, the, the Tanakh. Sure. You find that the faith of Islam rejects the Hebrew Bible. So therefore you can hardly have a dialogue with Christians and Jews over the scriptures because they reject them. At least Christianity you mean, you mean by, accepted. Uh, you mean accepted. between, between Muslims and Jews? Jews. You just said Christian. Islam, Islam, yeah. Uh, yeah. Muslim. Yeah, they rejected the Hebrew Scriptures, and, and they developed a replacement theology, and that was Islam mm-hmm. replaced Christianity, or replaced Judaism and Cor- Christianity. The Koran replaced so, the, the uh, Tanakh? Is, is that accurate? Yeah, it replaced, well, not only the Tanakh, they replaced the Jewish people, uh, not just the Jewish Scriptures. You have to replace the Jewish people in replacement theology. You just don't replace their Scriptures you replace the, the chosen uh, the people. Quran, the state of Quran replaced the Jewish scriptures like mistaking the National Enquirer for the Esquire. <laughs> yeah, so so my question to you is that, in that you know, your former biblical interpretation, the, the Christians developed a, a concept of allegorical interpretation, uh, and, and, and the Jewish people basically kept to the, the actual... A literal interpretation, uh, because, uh, you know, they, they seem to develop a, a, a word for word form of interpretation rather than try to put a spiritual connotation on interpretation. And well, so, my question, my question to you then is, you know, the, the question of the virgins, uh, because the, the Hebrew Bible tells us in, in, in Exodus that, that Israel is God's segula which means uh, his treasure, and, and, and I like to say it's basically his girlfriend, and that they were then um, committed to marriage and committed to be, you know, uh, making a marriage covenant, you find in, in Exodus. So we find the first place use of the concept of a virgin is God marrying Israel. Right. right. Well, I, I'll go... I, I'm, I'm just kind of, kind of shot in the dark at what you're saying. You said some very, very helpful things. I didn't know about what you said about uh, the Jewish approach being more, not so much. I don't know if literal is the word, or if it has to do with uh, the, the they they understand the Tanakh and the Scriptures coming out of their history, out of their stories of their existence and of their uh, it, that idea. Whether we as believers are more, as New Testament believers, as Gentile believers, and the, you know, the New Testament idea, whether we are more, we interpret the scriptures. I, I could see that, that we kind of take a picture of, uh, 
for example, you've just, we just talked about the ten virgins, and we think, well, the, the oil is always an image of the, the Holy Spirit, so therefore the ten virgins, five of them weren't spiritually prepared, they didn't have the, the Spirit of God, and they, and that sort of thing. And then Jesus, this, the, the bridegroom returns, Jesus returns, and they're not ready, so they're left out. Would that be a little bit of an example of what you were just saying? Well, uh, I was thinking more of uh, of Justin Martyr. Uh, I think in one sixty two, one sixty three, he he was uh, put together called a dialogue with Trifo the Jew. Uh-huh. This was right after the Bar Kappa rebellion. So he was trying to convince this Jewish uh, intellectual to come over to Christianity, and and he was trying to explain to him that that Christians interpret their Bible better than they do. Hmm. For instance, uh, he said that uh, that circumcision really it means spiritually, spiritual circumcision, where you just baptize yourself and, and then you become part of God's family, God's people, through a spiritual circumcision rather than a physical. When it came to the Sabbath, uh, Justin Myers says it's a spiritual rest rather than a physical rest. So they took the same scriptures found in, in Exodus 10 where it talks about, I mean, Exodus 20 where it talks about the Sabbath and Ten Commandments and in circumcision and later on in Exodus as being assigned to Israel. And they reinterpreted it and defined it differently because they had to spiritualize those scriptures because Christians uh, basically didn't want to uh, be part of that particular a form of, it of faith. A recruiting device. <laughs> it was not a, re- a good recruiting device, Jake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so those are two examples that I've found that in, in, in biblical history that the form of biblical interpretation had to change a little bit to 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 try to define Christianity uh, different than than the, the 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 New Testament, the early early church, because the early church was basically a Jewish church, but as it spread out. We find that you had, you know, you had issues, and, and how do you explain, you know, the the coming of Jesus? How do you explain the, you know, the Godhead and so forth? So there were a lot of questions that were not in the Hebrew scriptures that had to be somehow explained. And so I find that that has been uh, an interesting process over time. The, the the way the Bible has been interpreted. Jacob, you want to? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, obviously Jerome is a very well educated. Yeah, very and I appreciate our, hearing these things that he's saying. They're making and as great our, food and for I thought. I was going to say, mm-hmm. articulate man. And uh, Jerome, uh, you're the Jerome from some northern city in California. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's a Jerome, but there's also, don't confuse me with Jerome, Arizona. No. There is a city called Jerome, Arizona, and I've been there, and uh, but that was not named after me. Uh-huh. And you don't want to remember it for and, Jerome, uh, Arizona, were, I can tell. Yeah, you were uh, in some city in California, I believe, northern California. Yeah, California. Uh, that, that's right. But just to tell you about the name Jerome, it's actually the, the English uh, interpretation of a Spanish word, uh, Geronimo, which we would pronounce it Geronimo. Uh, yeah. So Geronimo and Jerome are exactly the same words. And you know I'm, same, a pa- same I'm, name. I'm full-blooded Apache, and so the word Geronimo <laughs> tri- triggers all kinds of responses from me. Well, that, you know, I do agree with what Jerome or Geronimo was saying, because I find myself surrounded. But uh, other than that, <laughs> uh, the, you know, it is true. Uh, the Jews concentrate on how... To live life in this world as God said. 
They're not concerned so much about what you would call the afterlife. That's a given. They, they understand they got that. That's not an issue. But they do understand how to live in this world. I think that to support Jerome's premise, I think that Christians are much more, from what I perceive, much more concerned about getting to heaven and the afterlife than this world. That's how I perceive it. Oh, hmm. I know. Somebody said, oh, no, we do everything. What do you think, this Jerome? Wonderful. I know. But I'm saying well, I know. Judaism, Judaism emphasizes creation, the beginning, uh, the Bereshit, the beginning of all things. It's very, very important to them to talk about the beginning. Christianity emphasizes end times, see, the last days, the things that are going to to focus on. So you find that they, they're both the two ends of the spectrum, but if you go into a circle, they do match. They do hit each other eventually, uh-huh. the beginning and the end. Eventually, you go right back to the beginning because when you get to the, the, the end times, you find we go to the new garden and the paradise and the tree of life, everything that was at the beginning. And so, but, but Judaism focuses on, on the, on the creation, man, and, and the God, uh, and that scripture in Hosea where it says that God made a covenant with Adam, of course, Adam is just uh, the word for man, uh, mankind. Mm-hmm. Adam and then Ish is the word for just an ordinary man, but God made a covenant with mankind, and this was called the uh, this was called the, uh, the the covenant of uh, Noah. Uh, and the Noahide covenant. So he did make a covenant with them, but they broke that covenant. They couldn't even keep from killing each other, which was part of the uh, Noahide covenant. So, and, and they but so it all depends on what you want to focus on. Did they? Uh, they did. Yeah. And part yeah. of that covenant was that I want you to spread out, multiply, fulfill the earth, and that sort of thing. And they didn't do that either, as Jacob has pointed out. And, and fruit, just since you're drawing to that, fruitful and multiply is two different things. Okay. One is have children. Two is teach them Torah, the Bible. Yes, so, yes. So, so I, I think because because the Jews emphasize the beginning and living and today, Christians emphasize the last days and end times. They're they're really interested in prophecy. They're interested in apocalyptic events, and that just seems to be the way. That, again, biblical interpretation. What's important to them? Uh, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, um, a grain of mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like virgins. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a great pearl. The kingdom of heaven. So it really emphasized the 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 new world order that was to come. And so, you know, he was an apocalyptic preacher in his day. I I tend to agree in a way, but I am a uh, a believer. I happen to be obviously a follower of Jesus and uh, believing in him as Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, and so on. Uh, I had a prominent rabbi here in the city one time ask me. He he knew about me, but he didn't know you know particulars. And he asked me, "Well, well, religiously, Soapy, how do you define yourself?" And I said, "You know, you you might be interested to know. Most of the time, when people ask me what religion I am, I I say I'm Jewish." Uh-huh. And he went, "What?" <laughs> you know, he was like. I mean, really, we believe in Jehovah. We believe in the Jewish scriptures of the Jewish law, the, you know, the, the, the laws of God, the Jewish scriptures, the Jewish prophets, the Jewish Messiah. I don't know how much more Jewish I could become, you know. Uh, but uh, so that has triggered. That's part of the reason for what you said are, are getting along so well is I, I think. And it seems like a lot of believers, a lot of Christian believers these days, here in America, or at least in my sphere of influence, and right here in our in South Texas and all, 
I find a lot of Christian communities and believers and pastors and leaders kind of rediscovering their roots and that we come out. Yeah, if you look at the 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 Apostle Paul. Revelation. Yeah, the Apostle Paul in in Romans chapter 3, he talks about the faith uh, the faith, uh, having faith in Jesus, the faith, but really the, the, the Greek says that's really you can say not only have faith in Jesus, the, the Greek says you have the faith of, of Jesus. Jesus yeah. And so there's a very important, what was the faith of Jesus? The faith of Jesus was Judaism, and the faith in Jesus is on the fact that he's opened the door, he's given a divine invitation for Christians to come and celebrate uh, the the faith of Jesus be a part of and Israel. be part of Israel, be part of, be part of Israel. Yeah. Well, that's and so, so that's so important to understand that concept is that you know a lot of people put their faith in Jesus, but you know there's also the the faith of Jesus, yeah, and yeah. one of the most important things that Jesus emphasized was the Father and his love for the Father. Yes. And I think that many, many times Christians have forgotten the Father, and so, you know, the, there should be a sermon about the forgotten Father once in a while. <laughs> I'm glad you said Well, that's one thing I remember Jacob said at one time, a, a, a caller called in one time, and they were, we were talking, and in the same way that I told you that Jewish rabbi was a little curious about me religiously, well, this caller said, well, well Jacob, what? What religion are you? Because we don't actually oh, define oh. ourselves in those I senses. Remember, I remember that. He, yeah. he, what religion are you? And and because he's a, he's a believer, he's a Christian, he's an evangelical, and so he's kind of thinking, well, you know, I, you need to be a Christian. You need to you know, that sort of an idea. You know how evangelicals uh, we do take very seriously the mandate to share the gospel and help others come to know the Lord and come to peace with God. And so this guy says, what well, what religion are you? And I remember Jacob said, what. Well, kind of disarmed the whole thing by saying, you know, I am of the same religion as, as Jesus. And, 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 I, and it just sort of, okay, what can you say? You know, that sounds good. You know, that, that satisfied him pretty well. But I think, I, I take that, I like what you said, that the, the, not only the faith in Jesus, but the faith of Jesus and the fatherhood of, of God. Oh, there's some really good things. You ought to, uh, you're going to have to come, we might have to have a third host on the program and have Jerome come and <laughs> If he, if he brings donuts, if he brings, okay. you got to. Bring- well, just keep just keep up the good work. You guys are no. just awesome, and it, this is a new, unique program, and and uh, you guys should emphasize it more, and the word should get out. I'm sure going to spread about it, uh, where Christians and Jews come together, and not just to raise money, yeah. but to raise consciousness of the scriptures, and I think that's important. Jerome, you're a blessing to us. Can Listen, we give you a yes. copy of the uh, biblical archaeological review? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, I, I would love that. that that's such amazing, amazing book. Uh, you know the 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 you know there's is, I read an article years ago. I never did. It was in an office someplace, but it talked about uh, Jews in Asia Minor uh, were blessed by by Gentiles. Where they they called them God fearers. They they didn't convert. They didn't go through circumcision, but they were God fearers, and they paid for the the synagogue in that Asia Minor city, and they had their name inscribed on the wall of, of those people who gave the gifts. Well, that's the and kind so of... we know that there are a lot of God-fearers, God and it was because of biblical archaeology they found that plaque. 
That's that's the kind of things you read about. I, I find it fascinating. And so we're going to we hope to send you a free copy, a year's a year's subscription, Jerome. You've been such a blessing to us tonight, really, and I mean that sincerely. A very yeah, encouraging thank you, call. Jerome, thank you, Thanks. Hang on. Don't hang up. We're going to put you on hold. I won't. I won't hang up. I, I'm ready. I got my I got my address and and everything ready to go. If right. anybody wants to take it down, talk to a fellow named John. He'll let you. He'll take that information. Uh, Sophie says we only got a couple minutes left. Yep. <clears throat> Let's quickly jump over to chapter fourteen of okay. Hosea. Go for it. Verse one. Now, as I said, this is all about these other countries coming in. See, a lot of people uh, were brought in even by the uh, Assyrians. So it says, let Samaria be found guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. And it goes on, and it says, they'll be dashed to pieces, pregnant ripped open. Yikes. Uh Uh-oh, the music's coming. And it says, Israel will return to God. So the point is, is, it's the leading the Jews away from the Torah from God. Anyway, we're out of time. Thank you, pal. Yep. Good word. Everybody, see you next week. Join us here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.